everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Influencing Safety with Bill Martin. I'm Kate Wade, the editor of Incident Prevention Magazine and your host for this podcast. In this episode, Bill and I begin with the basics, discussing what influence is, why he's so passionate about this topic, plus some practical ways to positively influence safety in the workplace. So let's get started. First of all, good morning, Bill. How are you today? Great, Kate. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you for being here. Um, so before we jump into specifics, can you tell our listeners a bit about your background and why you're so passionate about this topic of influencing safety? Sure, uh, Kate. I, uh, for those that don't know me in this podcast, I'm, I've written a few articles, several actually, for incident prevention, and Kate edits beautifully. Um, but my, my career, I'm kind of in a narrow niche. Um, was a lineman for 20 years, but at the same time, I was a paramedic and uh, 22 years as a flight paramedic, well, 17 years as a flight paramedic, now flight nurse paramedic, still consulting for the electrical industry. And, uh, and I do do a lot of expedition type travel in high risk environments. So I, I operate on pretty dynamic teams. And the reason I'm passionate about this is because 22 years of seeing some pretty tragic things Every time I can, there's some small event early on, if just something small changed, the outcome would have been better. And, uh, and I've spent a lot of time in accident invest investigation teams where we spent a lot of time, uh, uh, a lot of scrutiny of, of the, what happened. And we look at the causal factors and we try to come up with action items and lessons learned. Um, but if anybody's listening, that's had you know, a number of unplanned outages or a num number of repeat incidents. If we spent just part of that energy finding out what happened in the front, I think we can influence a change in safety. So that's the where the passion comes from. Lovely. So let me ask you, what is your definition of influence? Um, all right, that's a scary question, Kate. <laughs> it would be really nice if you, we could just you know, go to Webster's and come up with a definition of what influence is, but we are, we are a very complex species and, and we think we're rational. So we come up with good rational, logical schemas and decisions to try to, try to steer people to a safer outcome. Um, and what's interesting about that is if, you know, we list some of the most, most, uh, dangerous things that can happen to us or the things that will kill us eventually. Uh, you think of heart disease, cancer, uh, lower respiratory problems and accidents are the top four. But the top four phobias that we have are spiders, fear of snakes, fear of heights and uh, fear of open spaces or you know, agoraphobia. So what's, if we were rational, when somebody lit up a cigarette, we'd scream and run for our lives. All right. But we're not. And not only that, but we can put on the package that this cigarette causes cancer. That's it. But, and it doesn't seem to affect us. And if you, know, if you look at some of the divisiveness in our country over the last several years, um, we're not overly influenced by data and facts. Correct. We're influenced by other things. So the, what, I can't really give you a definition, but I can tell you that influences a lot of, of moving parts and has to do with 
the, so, so in safety, we talk a lot about the why we need to do something so we don't get hurt and the what we need to do and the skill involved with that. But I'm really excited about that we're even having this conversation because I don't see the how discussion. Mm-hmm. How do we influence all of the great stuff, you know, human operational, ha, human operational performance, safety one, safety two, micro safety third, right? Um, Clive Lloyd about the, uh, just wrote a new book. I'm trying to think what the title is. I can't. <laughs> but uh, Rosa Grillo <laughs> is the relationship factor that she writes about. Well, there's so much information out there. I think if we started to focus a little bit on how we influence that information, so it actually, resonates and creates positive change, I think we're missing some low-hanging fruit. So is that too much of a long of an answer? No, that's perfect. Hey, can I give you a story? Absolutely. I love stories. All right. So so this is a story I've told before. One of the stories I've seen, I interviewed a bunch of young men uh, after an incident where we flew the patient. And there's a cliff on Lower Saranac Lake where I live, about 60 feet high. It's called the Bluff. And the, the college kids, these are juniors and seniors at Clarkson University, we're there and they're all gonna, they're gonna jump off the cliff. And it's kind of exciting, you know, it's a, it's a nice day. And I don't know, five or six of them are up at the top of the cliff. And there's one fellow who's about to jump and he, he goes and he peers over the edge. And he's like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. And he's like, oh, they're like, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And he looks over the edge, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. And he's pacing back and forth and come on. And he's trying to get the courage and, he, and he's strutting. And, and finally they say, come on, you can do it. And he jumps and he goes, woohoo. And he's, He's bicycling in the air on his way down and he hits the water flat on his butt and he blows his 12th vertebrae out of his back and now he's paralyzed for life. So in that case, that group of of young men were influencing him to jump. Mm -hmm. The really interesting thing is they were aware that he was afraid. Right. They knew he was afraid. So if they actually recognized that they needed a strategy or a tactic, and they could have said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, you're afraid. And you would have said, yeah, I'm afraid. So, well, listen, if you can jump off, point your toes, go in like a dart, mm-hmm. and go ahead. If you can't, let's move down to 20 feet and practice that first. But instead of recognizing that, they wanted to see him jump. And that's, so we have a choice as to how we influence people. But we have to recognize that in order to influence people to be safer, we need a tactic or a strategy. So I can teach you the human operational performance principles. Mm-hmm. But unless I apply a tactic that resonates with you, it's just going to be a list of principles. Right. So that's okay. Well, so what you've been talking about sort of leads into my next question, which is what are some of the items that factor into what we think and feel about safety, whether it's on the job or in our personal lives? So this is why these are loaded. These are. (laughs) I wish the answer to that was would be simple. Um, but the, the, so what are the factors? Is that what you're asking? That there's yeah. Never- like what are some of the things that influence like the way that we think and feel about safety? Like, um, whether it's conscious or unconscious, I guess. So, so there's, there's all kinds of things that influence us. Right. So, um, and we don't, there's been studies, the studies are done. I'm not going to relate them all to you, but there's, there's several books that influence Shelley Terrett, um, uh, the influential mind, what our brains reveal about our power to change others. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Saldini influence. Uh, you have more influence than you think. Vanessa Bonds. There's so many books in, in, out there on this, but they all do the studies that kind of say the same thing. 
they say we aren't aware of the things that influence us most often because mm -hmm. 99% of us is automatic. So what they've proven in some of the studies, if you are, have a road rage incident on your way to work, you carry that debris with you at, to work and then you affect others at work and you influence them based on that thing that happened. Unless you can take a few moments, separate yourself from the event and move forward. But if we don't know that that argument you had at home or that whatever happened to you this morning is going to affect your decisions, mm -hmm. how do we mitigate that, right? So, so um, I, I'll give you another one here. So I've talked, we've talked, talked this about this before. There's such a dichotomy in the way we treat workers to the way that we treat athletes in sports. And some people will argue, well, yeah, but they have a goal. And that's true. They're, they're driven athletes to achieve a goal. But they, no matter how good you get it as an athlete, you never graduate. You always have a coach. Right. Right. You go to the Olympics, you've got a coach. And that coach is there to help you become uh, more confident and more competent in what you do. Or if you ever sat down and watched a bunch of kids in a skateboard park, mm -hmm. um, are they trying to be safe? Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the kid. So if you watch the kids, uh, they're trying to learn new tricks. And it, I, what I see is a bunch of kids trying to get better, mm -hmm. trying to get better at what they do and become more competent. Uh, all those, th and all those things that we want to be more competent at, we practice. It's violin, if it's sports, whatever it is, we practice to get more competent. Yet in our country, um, in 2019, over 5,000 workers were killed on the job. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a lot, that's a hundred yeah. people, right? So, so because of all the li liabilities and legalities, we hold our workers to our the lowest common denominator. So to me, the, the question is, what, what type of influence does that have on you? When I, when I, instead of teaching how not to cut yourself with a knife, I give you all cut resistance gloves. While it might be a good system fix, is it helping you become more confident? Right. Right. And that's so that's it's like there's a line there and I'm not sure where it is where we do a system fix. But we also have to help increase competency um, if we want people to get better at what they do. Absolutely. So, so, so I don't even know if I'm answering your question. Yeah, I, I think you are. And I, you know, one of the things I think and this is like my next question is, you know, you're asking me, does this make sense? And this whole idea of influencing safety, it can seem kind of nebulous and overwhelming. Like there's so much to read, to listen to, to think about, to discuss. So since that's the case, and you were talking about like practical application, can you give our listeners some simple practical ideas that they can apply like at work to more positively influence safety? So, so absolutely. So this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. So, so Kate, you know, you hear, we hear these things the corporate thing. So what we think in these accident investigations, if you get a, you get a, you get a shock because you took your gloves off, hey, don't take your gloves off. There, I fixed that, right? Or um, somebody crashes their their skull on a pavement from on a bike and wasn't wearing a helmet. Instantly, we go, well, wear a helmet. But what we really need to understand is why they weren't wearing, it, right? Right. Or why you weren't wearing your gloves. So we say everybody has stop work authority. That sounds really good. But in order to speak up and have, have it work, somebody has to speak up and someone has to listen. And I've said that before. So when we start, if we wanna go deeper on how to influence that, 
let's talk about this. What would influence speaking up on the job? Can you, can you think of a tactic or something that would influence speaking up on the job? Well, I mean, I think the first thing would be just being comfortable enough with the people that you're with to even broach the topic. Um, because I think if you're scared or you don't know people very well, you're less likely to even say something in the first place. So now, sorry, now we're getting into psychological safety. I think you and I are going to discuss that next time. Oh, and yes, we are. And we'll go into that a little more deeper because I would love to go there now, but I won't because that's <laughs> next time. But, but let's, let, let, me, let me rephrase the question and see if you have a different, different answer. Um, if I have a group of people in the room and I wanted them to be comfortable in speaking up, how would I practice that? Well, I, I mean, I guess you would have to just work on getting to know one another better. I'm... You'd have to create an environment where they can't, where they do speak up, right? So okay. if, if you want corn, you have to put, you plant corn. So okay. if I want you to speak up, we need, we even need, might need to do some role playing. It might be a little uncomfortable, but let's, let's call, let's talk about a job brief, right? Okay. So one tactic, uh, we go through the job brief and if I'm just talking to you and reading you the job brief, that's one thing. But once, but everybody has an assignment, uh, an assigned role for the day and an expectation of what they're gonna do. Now we use three-way communication for switching. We use it for placing jumpers. We use it for important events. But isn't it a really important event that we are sure everybody understood what we think we said? Mm -hmm. so, so if I want the apprentice to speak up, what if at, at the end of every job brief, I said, all right, we're just gonna go around at the end real quick here. What's your role and any, do, do you have any concerns? And at first it'll feel awkward because we, it's like when you first try practicing the violin, you're very awkward, right? <laughs> yes. um, right? So, so, but when, if you start practicing that and in order to practice it, you need people that will reinforce and allow that to happen. So you need a foreman and a general foreman and a manager and a project manager that have an expectation that at the end of the job brief, uh, Kate, you're going to, so what's your role today, Kate? Um, you're, you're moderating a, a podcast. Correct. And do you have any concerns on this podcast? Not yet. Not I'll yet. Let you know. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and then you go to the next person. You know, what's your role? I'm in the bucket today. And what's your? I'm a. I'm an apprentice. And do you have any concerns? I had one apprentice in, in practicing this. Tell me that. Well, he does have a concern because he's new this week. The other apprentice transferred out. The other apprentice was very good in the bucket, and it's his first week. And my concern is these guys are going to have an expectation of what the last apprentice was doing in the bucket. And I'm not as good as him. And because he said that in this practice thing I was doing, the other journeyman took a time out. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Listen, we're going to put you right where you need to be. We're going to call you in to do the work and move you back out safe. You're going to be fine. And we have no expectation. We'll just go from what you know now and we'll go to where you're. And that whole conversation existed because the apprentice said what he was concerned about. Nice. Now imagine if we want to steer a culture, influence a culture, and we could grab onto just this tactic. It doesn't have to be this tactic. I'm convinced that the, at the sharp end of the work, when we give the sharp end of the work to the ball to come up with the control to find the tactics that will help them get better, they'll have more money in the game, more skin in the game. Yeah. But right now we don't do that. Often we tell them what they need to do. Um, and when we do that, um, it can, it, Sometimes they'll just they'll listen and nod their heads and then go do whatever they want because they don't have any control. We, we, this is, these are studies also. When we don't have, um, they call it agency. Um, yeah. It's a big word. I don't really like it, but or what it really means is 
when you have some control over your destiny, you, have, you are more interested in. And it doesn't even need to be control, it needs to be perceived control, according to the studies. Okay. So they've done simple studies where you know, somebody can pick, Ikea is a good one, right? So people love Ikea furniture. They like the furniture they make from putting together the mm -hmm. Ikea better than, than someone else putting together. They'll like the stuff like they do because if they put it together, it's better. If they paint a picture, they like their picture better because they, they had agency in the picture. You know, they, they decided. So, so if, if we could create tactics to influence um, workers to be more collaborative, cooperative, and engaged, then the information that transfers is much cleaner than the leader follower. So, so what that means, it has to become safe to test and learn. Yes. Plan and implement is really good. I mean, plan and implement is, this is our plan, this is what we're gonna do. But we have to be agile enough, because that, the, the reality is, you, you know, the, the, what's, what's the army statement? Uh, be no, prepared. Plan, no, plan oh. survive, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. So they, their war school is not so much about learning a plan, it's learning how to be adjust, be able to adjust and be agile and change your plan. And that, I mean, to me, that requires a working group of people and that requires a different kind of influence than the kind we're giving today. So I don't know if I, this is too long-winded, but this influence is something, to me, it's low-hanging fruit and there aren't a lot of people talking about how do we influence safety? And it's not telling people what to do. It's in, how do we influence them to a level that they're engaged and they come up with the ideas. Right. That, I mean, so this is kind of out there, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, do it. So the, the accident investigation. I don't know too many linemen that I know that are really excited about the, having those. Right. And even though this is a learning opportunity, this is no shame, no blame. Some cultures are there. Some cultures aren't. Some cultures are they have to pick blame and somebody so that they can move on. Mm -hmm. that, we know that doesn't work. So when we get a no blame culture, that's good. But, however, I won't use the word but because I don't like it. <laughs> the, uh, the, when you're doing an accident investigation, this lineman may have set 99 poles without a problem. And they might have little things happen that didn't warrant an accident investigation, but they solved and fixed. Then the minute they have one that's either an OSHA recordable or it's declared an incident, we give all, take all of their power and all of their autonomy and control and we give it to a team of people to investigate mm -hmm. who may or may not be linemen and they ask a bunch of questions not to, this we're not pointing fingers at you they'll say we're we just need to know all the facts and then they come back with what they think the causal factors are and they discuss with the linemen imagine if instead of doing that we said all right you're going to stand down for a half a day we're going to put a safety guy with you we want you to come up with the uh a good write-up of what happened, what you think the causal factors are, um, what you think the action items should be to change that, and what we learn. And then what we want you to do is present that back to an IA team to tell us what you learned. I mean, we don't do that because, because management feels like they need control over it. And then there's a trust factor. Mm -hmm. Do we trust them to do that? And honestly, the first time they do it, they're going to be as bad at it as, as we are. Well, yeah, because it's their first time, but. Right. Well, when, when, you know, I've worked for companies that have 25 outed, unplanned outages in a year. That's 25 
incident investigations. That's, That's not a, a lot. I mean, so I would rather, I've told you this before, the most successful people in the world fail often and quickly. The unsuccessful ones continue to fail at the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. expecting different results, which is the definition of insanity, right? So, so if we give them the opportunity, and tell me, who needs to learn the most from this? From an accident investigation? Uh, well, I'm not sure the answer to that question. Well, the guys are going to go back to work the next day. So I think they need to know, learn from what happened so they can not do it again. Mm-hmm. Yes, management, needs, everybody else needs to know, but the, the person at the sharp end is the one who pays the price, right? That's the yeah. one who has the highest consequence to their actions. So why not influence them to make their own discoveries and present it to our management teams? And then if we don't like it, we can have that discussion. Um, and at first they want, may not be great at it, but to me, so this, I don't know if this all fits into what I'm trying to tell you here, but what I'm, what I'm excited about is we aren't talking about the how people change their minds at all. Mm-hmm. I think the ritual of how we do things works, but it keeps proving over and over again that it doesn't. Right. So I think this, the cue that is here to try something new, try something different. And instead of getting into a plan and implement culture, get into a test and learn and learn to fail safely. That's the key. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, learn to fail safely. Okay, so I feel like we've covered a lot about this topic. Um, So before we go though, I wanna make sure, like, is there anything else that you wanna share with listeners about this? Um, Anything you wanna say before we go? I, uh, I hope this isn't too abstract. It's, 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 hard. it's hard for people to accept. And as a normal confirmation bias, when we hear something that doesn't seem familiar, we want to shut it off. Yeah. I hope people will actually listen and consider that um, we are happiest when we have some level of perceived control of what we're doing. Um, trust is huge, right? Mm-hmm. All yes. skill with no trust is no good. All trust with no skill is no good. So you have to have a balance. But you can't apply the skills you have into a culture that doesn't trust. So the so it's it's a scary place. I, if we can start to influence that, um, get people to speak up when they're apprentices, and if we want to do that, we have to practice, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. At, at football, baseball, soccer, everything. Violin. Violin. If we want yeah. to get better, we have to practice. So. We have to put ourselves in a little bit uncomfortable positions where we start to practice the thing we don't do. So if we don't, aren't speaking enough enough, it's just, to me, it's the, the lineman, uh, the frontline worker can figure this out themselves. What's the thing that we're not doing enough? Oh, this guy's really quiet. He's not speaking up enough. Okay, then we need to do something so he can practice that. Mm-hmm. So, he feel, so he can become more, to your words, more comfortable contributing. Yeah. And, and we don't have to like what he has to say. We don't have to agree with it, but we have to listen to it because if somebody as smart as another human has an idea that's different than ours, we have to understand why. Yeah. And that's, and that's, kind of, that's the culture we're not being modeled on television every day. The one we're being modeled on television is a dismissive culture mm-hmm. where the one side of the table doesn't want to listen to the other side. And when they're done talking, it's my turn. Right. Right. So, so we're planting corn all over the place and that's not the corn I want to grow. What I want to do is recognize we have 
to Vanessa Bond's book, we have more influence than we think, and we do. And I think I think there's I think there's magic in it. There's there's low hanging fruit. There's we are it's things we aren't addressing. It's not it's not that that I told you so. Hey, well, how stupid are you? I told you not to do that. It's why somebody as smart as you would still do that. How, what did I what did I do wrong that didn't influence you to change your mind? Right. So that's a tough concept because it's some self-reflection. Yeah, it's a lot of self-reflection. Um, but this, I mean, this is all really good, interesting stuff, I think, for the safety community. So um, I want to thank you for your time today, Bill. Um, and in our next episode of the Influencing Safety podcast, <clears throat> Bill and I will venture into the topic of psychological safety and why it's so critical to on-the-job safety. Until next time, stay safe and be well. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.